We come before you today as the creator of the universe, the giver of everything. Everything that we have, everything that we will have, everything that we have had is from you. We are thankful for that. You are to be praised above all else. You are the one true living God. We thank you, Lord, for choosing us to be your people. We thank you for meeting us here in this place today. As a matter of fact, this is your idea, this corporate worship. It's your idea. So as we come together today, Lord, I just pray that you would clear our heads, our minds of all the uh, distractions around us, of the things that happened last week that we can't really do anything about now, of the things that we worry about that may happen in this coming week. Take those away. Help us to focus totally and completely on you. You are the object of our worship. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Come, Holy Spirit, fill this place, fill these people, fill each of us to overflowing with your love, with your kindness, with your understanding today that we might gain insight into the scriptures that we're about to read. And we'll be care careful <clears throat> to give you the praise for everything that happens that is good today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Pastor Stefan, a couple of weeks ago, did uh, a message on three pillars, I guess, of the Christian faith. He talked to us a little bit about giving, about prayer, and about fasting. And when we boil it all right down, I, I think one of the things that he was saying was that the Jewish people at that time, at the time of Jesus... Um, had in their minds that there were rules to follow for each one of those. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think how many rules there were. 631 rules, I believe they had. Uh, rules to follow for each one of those things, prayer and giving and fasting. You had to do it this way, and you had to do it here, and wear this, and stand this way. And, you know. and they missed the whole point, he was saying. The whole point was... The heart behind it, the motive behind it. Why do we do what we do? Right in the middle of that passage, he skipped, you may have noticed, he skipped a, 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 about a six or eight uh, verses that maybe you've heard of before. If you're Catholic in your background, you call it the Our Father. If you're uh, Protestant or, or non-denominational at all, you probably refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. Right there in the middle of everything that he was talking about, all those rules and regulations. And I had so many people say to me, why did we skip that, um, that I thought I'd back up and cover the Lord's Prayer today in summary form. We are going through the, the Sermon on the Mount in summary form, um, I think that we will probably spend about six weeks on the Lord's Prayer in the fall or, or next spring. We'll look at it again. I've done that before, and I think we ought to go back and do that. Any of you that are interested in 
uh, learning about how to use your Bible, how to pray, how to have quiet time, um, those uh, disciplines of the Christian faith. This fall, I'm going to offer a, a little class called uh, Habits, the good habits, if you will, that that we as Christ followers should have. And one of them is prayer. So we talk about how to pray, and we use the Lord's Prayer as the example for that. So if you're interested in that, you'll, you'll start seeing sign-ups for that in the next, uh, certainly by the end of August. It'll probably end up being in September in the first part of October that we run the class. But that'll give you an opportunity to look at, uh, at prayer a little deeper. We are a country of rules. It wasn't just the Jewish people, it's us too. The United States, the world, the world is a, is a place of rules and regulations. I don't think there's a country that you can go to that they don't have to do a particular thing, a particular way at a particular time. God gave rules to the Jewish people, and he called them the Ten Commandments. There were ten of them. I read somewhere um, in the past that since that time, the governments of the world, the lawmakers of the world, have enacted over 10,000, uh, 10, that's right, 10,000 laws to clarify what the Ten Commandments say. In other words, all the laws that we have in the country really just fall back to if you'd obey, obey the Ten Commandments, you wouldn't have to worry about these other things, you know? But we want details. I said before that, that the Jewish people had 631 rules that the Pharisees, their, their lawyers, if you will, their lawyers had written in order to clarify the Ten Commandments at that time. I, I remember one of them that, that just strike me, strikes me as absurd had to do with observing the Sabbath what you could and could not do. One thing is you couldn't go further than half a mile, in today's uh, language, half a mile from your property, from wherever you live, from wherever your property is, on the Sabbath. If you did, it was working. So you couldn't do that. So the Pharisees had devised a plan whereby you could go out the day before half a mile, and place a chair from your house there, and then go another half a mile and place another chair over there, another half a mile and place another chair over there, and technically, legally speaking, you weren't more than a half a mile away from your property. So I guess you could go 10 miles if you wanted to, if you set up enough chairs or enough of your property out there. They were, they were tricks or gimmicks, if you will, to find your way, loopholes, to find your way around the laws that were written. If you were a tailor, if you sewed clothes for a living, and you, uh, at the close of business before the Sabbath, you, you put your needle, say, in, in your collar, uh, and walked around on the Sabbath day, that was work, because this needle is how you made your living. So you were working if you had it here. If you were not a tailor, if that was not your employment, then to have this needle was not breaking the law. But if, if that's your mode of, of uh, employment, then it was. Strange things like that. And we, we have crazy laws 
uh, that have been enacted in the United States. Things like, uh, I don't know whether you knew that this was the case or not. Some of the laws that are probably still on the books but are never enforced. In uh, the state of Kansas, it's against the law to eat a snake on Sundays. I guess it's okay the other six days of the week, but you can't eat a snake on Sundays. In Texas, if two trains are coming to a crossing, they both have to come to a complete stop. And the statute says that neither one of them can move until the other one has gone. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, but those are the rules that we've developed. And we seem to be more comfortable with rules. And Jesus was sort of uh, turning those rules upside down, inside out. To say that we don't, have to, we don't have to look so much at the rule. We need to look at why we're doing what we're doing. Is there a heart motivation behind what I'm doing? You see, prayer is one of life's greatest mysteries that there is. Most people pray at least sometimes. I mean, even a a non-Christian, an atheist, probably has tried to pray at some time. Some people in many different religious traditions actually pray a great deal. You know, it's it's part of their uh, 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 religious tradition. Uh, life, if you will, to to pray five times a day or to to, uh, stop what you're doing at certain times during the day and pray. At its lowest level of understanding, then, prayer is like shouting into a void in the hopes that there might be somebody there who might hear you and listen to what you're saying. And in the best Uh, light, prayer merges into a love, a love language, if you will. Uh, And it's where the presence of God becomes so real, so palpable, if you will, that we pass beyond words that we're speaking into a sense of God's reality, a sense of God's generosity of his delight, of God's grace. It's just, it's it's so real you can touch it and feel it. We refer to that as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit invades our lives in prayer. Anytime you pray, you're invoking the Holy Spirit and his action. You're saying, it's okay, come, come. For most Christians, most of the time, prayer is actually something between those two extremes. It's neither one of those, but it's somewhere in between. And for many people, prayer is not just a mystery. It's a downright puzzle for them. They just can't understand it. They know that they ought to pray, but they aren't sure how to do it. How do I pray? And one such guy is my friend Greg. He was uh, asked to pray one time. Greg, you see, is not much of a prayer. And when he was asked to say grace at the table, well, 
I won't tell you. I'll let you see for yourself. Check out the screen up here. Maybe. something it's such a treat for me to have a home-cooked meal like this dinner at my house usually consisted of everybody in the kitchen fighting over containers of chinese food oh poor thing what there wasn't enough food to go around greg no there was we just never really sat down like family like this oh. greg would you like to say grace oh uh, well uh greg's jewish dad you know you're telling me jews don't pray honey unless you have some objection no, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace at many a dinner table. Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> well, Greg was trying his best to match what he had heard from other people. A little bit here, a word there, a phrase, an uncomfortable gesture. What do you do with your hands when you're praying? All to show that he could and he would pray for the meal. What the Lord's Prayer provides, here at the very center, I guess, of the Sermon on the Mount, is a framework for our prayers, a scaffolding, if you will, for our prayers. And notice that Jesus does not say you should always use these words when you pray. As a matter of fact, he says, this is how you pray should pray, not this is what you should pray. We find the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, so let me read this to you. It's on the screen. It's in your handouts too, I believe. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. 
This is Jesus in his teaching. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And actually, in Luke's account, um, it's a little shorter, as you'll see. Uh, It's different in some small but interesting ways. Luke chapter 11 is where you find it in in the Gospel of Luke, beginning at verse 2. Jesus says to his disciples, he's, he's again showing them how to pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, I saw on your faces when I paused in the first one there some consternation because I didn't go on with, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. You just wanted to say that because... That's part of the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Well, is it? You see it there? In either account. It is in some... I think it's in the King James Version, maybe. It was added later on uh, to end this prayer. Now, it's scriptural. It's probably something that Jesus would have said, uh, but it's not recorded as his saying it at this particular moment in the Lord's Prayer. We would find the essence for that in 1 Chronicles 29.11. 1 Chronicles 29.11, David is praying, uh, asking the Lord uh, about prayer and, and, and actually praising the Lord. And he says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. And that's where we get the phrase, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So what does the Lord's Prayer teach us about our regular prayer approach, if you will, to God? I I wanted to look at about five different points that I saw here. Points in this prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, and compare them to your prayer and my prayer that we pray uh, whenever it is that we decide to pray. It's sort of a this prayer versus my prayer sort of thing. Uh, I'm not not saying these things to to condemn the way that you pray. I'm just saying take a look at the, the structure that Jesus was talking about versus the structure, the things that you may say in your prayer. Number one, This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is deeply meaningful. Deeply meaningful. It isn't some magical formula, some abracadabra, which 
channels to some secret uh, 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 charm or secret spell that will take place. This prayer and our prayers should be something that we can mean with our words as well as say with our lips. Our minds take over. Um, um, we can pray silently. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray silently, and your mind does the praying. It comes from the heart. It's not so much the words that you're speaking, again, as the heart behind the words. This prayer certainly implies that we humans can and should use ordinary language when we're praying. When we talk to the creator of the universe. That, that's, every time I say that, it just blows my mind. You and I can talk to the creator of the universe. Wow. Normal, everyday language. We don't have to employ some churchy stuff that that you hear uh, the priest or the pastor or whoever say uh, from the pulpit on Sunday mornings. You're just having a conversation with the Lord. Simple, everyday language. And you know what? God is very receptive to our doing that. He wants us to pray from our heart. And if our heart speaks in common, ordinary, daily language, that's what he's going to appreciate. Number two, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, encourages me to call God Father. Father. They had never thought about that before. I mean, this is God out there in the universe somewhere, in heaven, wherever that is. Wow. How could he be my Father? And Jesus says not only to call him Father, but to call him Abba, which is even more personal, more... Uh, intimate than the word Father. I suppose that another word for the sermon on, or another phrase to use for the Sermon on the Mount would be what it means to call God Father. Because the whole Sermon on the Mount kind of centers on that thought. God is your Father. Our Father in heaven. He's your father. You're his child. You are heirs to his kingdom because of the work that Jesus did. Number three, this prayer is for the kingdom of God to become fully present. For the kingdom of God to become fully present in this place. You see, God is not a man-made idol like many of the uh, gods that the people at that time, the, the uh, Romans and the Greeks and, and uh, non-Jews would pray to. He's the one true living God who dwells in heaven and longs to see his sovereign and saving rule and reign come here to this earth where we are. The Lord's Prayer isn't a prayer to uh, for God's people to be like snatched out of this place, out of earth, away from here into heaven. But it's for the glory and the beauty of heaven to come to this place in reality. 
And we get to see that happen when we pray. God's kingdom comes to this place when we pray. When we pray. An example would be in healing. You know, we pray for healing a lot, particularly in this church. And sometimes we see people get healed on the spot. Amazing healings. Sometimes it doesn't happen right then, it happens later. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all. God does the work. It's not me as the prayer that does the work. It's God's work. If it's not his timing right then to make that happen, that's okay. He's got kingdom purposes that he's concerned about. Kingdom. He wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for your family. He wants what's best for the relationship that you're talking about. But he knows the other side of tomorrow. He knows what's out there. And he knows what's actually best. It might make me feel better right now. It might make you feel better right now if something happened that we're praying for. But for him, it may be much better if we're to wait until day after tomorrow for it to take place. When that kingdom comes in reality to this earth, God's name and his character and his reputation and, and honestly his very presence will be held in the highest regard, in the highest honor, everywhere and by everyone. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus It's that name. It's that name that is to be honored above all. Number four, the prayer encourages me to ask him for everything I need. You need something? Ask him. Well, that's too small. I shouldn't bother him with that. Ask God in the knowledge that if it concerns you, he's even more concerned about it than you are because he loves you doesn't matter what it is. If you're truly praying the prayer to God's honor, we're never just going to simply pray for, uh, for our daily bread. We're going to pray for the needs of the world so that others will be fed as well. Yeah, I, 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 need, I need these things, or I think I need these things, but he's going to put on your heart the fact that others need things too. And that's going to be a part of the prayer as well. And maybe you sense the fact that if we truly pray this prayer sincerely, we might have to do something about it, you know? They needed workers for the harvest. And Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send workers. And and he meant, he's going to send you. You think we need workers? You the workers. Go work. We might very well become part of God's answer to our very own prayer. That can happen. He puts on your heart 
a concern, an issue, a person, uh, a, a group of people, an ethnic group, uh, the people of, of Costa Rica, the people of Nepal. He puts on your heart those people. And as you begin to pray for those people, you find out that uh, Tracy, he wants you to go. <laughs> he wants you to go. Start packing your bags because you're going to be part of the answer to that prayer. Uh, this prayer encourages me to pray for forgiveness. To pray for forgiveness. I think unlike some religions in which every single minute action that we do carries eternal and, and, and um, unbreakable consequences, at the heart of both Judaism and Christianity lies the belief that even though human actions carry a lot of weight, we're responsible for our, all of our actions. We're responsible for everything we do, but forgiveness is possible. For whatever it is you have done, and through God's love, forgiveness can be realized. You've heard me say a thousand times in here, God doesn't care what you've done, who you've done it with, where you did it, how many times you've done it, he loves you. He loves you and he wants to forgive you for whatever. Matter of fact, he's already forgiven you for that. He just wants you to agree with him that that was wrong. Jesus assumes in this prayer, you'll, you'll, you see it, you hear it as you read it, Jesus assumes that we need to ask for forgiveness. Not just one time or, or on two or three rare occasions, but that we're going to need to ask for forgiveness regularly. It's something we need to do over and over again. And he's saying that forgiveness is freely available as often as we may need it. He's there to forgive us whenever. But there is one Stipulation, one condition, and that's the big idea for today. The heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered. If you're sitting here and you refuse to forgive other people, you just thought of that person, didn't you, as I said that? You, forget, you refuse to forgive someone for something, then why would you think that God would forgive you? When you've prayed, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Did you mean that when you prayed it? Or were those just words coming off your tongue? Forgive me as I forgive other people. And if I'm not forgiving other people, then why should I expect your forgiveness? You see how it works? There's no rules when it comes to prayer. 
doesn't matter how you pray. It just matters that you do pray. And that you pray sincerely from the heart. Not just pick up a prayer book and, and read the prayer I've been told uh, in this church. Well, I don't have a prayer for that in my prayer book. I don't know how to pray for that because there's not a prayer in my prayer book for that. Just talk to him. Just converse with him. doesn't have to be a prayer in your prayer book. If you're talking to me about it, you can talk to him about it. And he's going to be super interested and ready to deal with whatever the problem is in your, in your life. You know, when I repeat the Lord's Prayer, I cannot say our if I live in a logic-tight spiritual compartment thinking only about people who agree with me are the ones that are going to heaven. Nobody else is going to heaven unless they agree with me. Elizabeth, put up our. There we go. Okay. And when I repeat the Lord's Prayer, I cannot say, Father, if I don't demonstrate that loving and caring relationship in my daily life. I've got to show that that's what I believe, that He is my Father. I can't say in heaven, if I'm so preoccupied with the earth that I'm not laying up treasure in heaven. We talked about that last week. If I'm concerned about this place and what I'm doing here and how I'm going to keep safe here and how my portfolio, stock portfolio is doing, I'm never going to worry about heaven. I can't say, hallowed be your name, if I, who am called by his name, am not also holy. I can't say, your kingdom come, your will be done, if I'm questioning, resentful, or disobedient to his will for my life. I can't say, on earth as it is in heaven, if I'm not prepared to devote my life here, every minute of it, to serving Him. I can't say, give us today our daily bread, if I'm living on past experiences or looking elsewhere for satisfaction and motivation. I can't say, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, if I harbor a grudge against anybody. I can't say, lead us not into temptation, if I deliberately place myself or remain in a position where I am likely to be tempted. Flee. Flee, it says. I can't say, deliver us from the evil one, if I'm not prepared to fight in the spiritual realm with the weapon of prayer. I can't say, yours is the kingdom, if I don't give to the king the disciplined obedience of a loyal subject. I can't say yours is the power if I fear what men may do or what my neighbors might think. I can't say yours is the glory if I'm seeking glory in any way for myself. I can't say forever and ever if my horizon is limited by the things of time. And I can't even say amen. If I don't also add the phrase, cost what it may. Cost what it may. 
because I say this prayer honestly, knowing that it will take everything that I have. You see, God never changed the rules to fit the man. God always changes the man to fit the rules. The action step for this week is I would love for you, I would love for you to practice praying like Jesus. Look at this prayer again. Look at the model that he gave you here. Don't sit down and say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Look at the model he gave us, the structure that he gave us. And see if you can pray like that. Adoration. Adoration to the God. Praise. Asking for forgiveness. Seeking to forgive others first so that you can be forgiven. And in Alpha, we have this little uh, exercise that we do on the week that we talk about prayer, and it's simply this. We say, leave your eyes open, because none of us pray with our eyes open. We feel like you can't pray if your eyes are open. Leave your eyes open, and just say a simple sentence like, Father, thank you for... And you fill in the blank. Just one word. Don't pray a, a, a paragraph. Just one thing. Father, thank you for the weather. Father, thank you for loving me. Father, thank you for forgiving me. Father, thank you for healing my brother. You know, just something simple like that. Make it easy. It's, it's an easy thing. But I want you to get used to the conversation part of it. Don't feel like you've got to get down on your knees and, and whatever Greg did, however you're going to hold, hold, fold your hands or hold them, you, what do you do? Uh, what's wrong with this? The Jews used to pray like this. Eyes open, look into the heavens. You know, they, you'll still see them doing this. Don't let all that stuff get in the way. Just have a conversation with God about what's on your heart, what concern you have, a concern you may have for another person, a relative, a friend, a co-worker, somebody that you don't even know that lives in Costa Rica or Sudan or Brazil. Or California. Pray for them. Talk to him, the creator of the universe. And watch him work. Expect your prayer to be answered. Let's pray. Father, you are indeed the creator of the universe. Your name is above every name. You are the one true living God. You are the one to whom I can run when things are not going right in my life. You are the one that I know will be concerned about me 
when I can't even be concerned about myself. Father, we love you. But you loved us first. While we were still sinners, you sent your son to die for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for coming and paying the penalties for my sin. And thank you for purchasing a place in heaven for me. Come, come Holy Spirit, in all your power and all your might and all your glory, bring your kingdom here to this place. Let it be a reality for us today. Let us see and feel and experience you're working among us in this place, at this time, and throughout the days to come. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.